Father, we love you this morning. And we just say, Lord, you're beautiful. You are holy. You are the great I am. And God, we just thank you for joining us here in this place. God, we thank you for your availability. God, that we know that when we call on you, you're there. And Father, I pray that you'd speak to us through your word this morning. And God, I pray that you'd be honored in everything that we do this morning as we just bring these things and offer them to you, Lord. We love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That last song was written in the probably late 60s or 70s, long time ago. <laughs> Young Jewish boy grew up in Los Angeles and found Jesus, or Jesus found him, and turned into a, a, probably the closest thing to a, a, a preaching singer. All his songs were sermons, and they had some catchy tunes to them. And uh, I probably listened to Keith Green once a week on my little jogs, thinking about what it might have been like if uh, the Lord had kept him alive. But uh, he went to be with the Lord a long time ago, uh, flying a plane. They didn't make it off the, couldn't get up over the trees and uh, had some kind of malfunction. All right, we're still in Second in Samuel chapter 17. Lord willing, we'll make it to chapter 18 by next week, but we'll see how it goes today. So, we already see that Absalom and all the men of Israel, they liked Hushai's advice better than Ahithophel's. And it says at the end of verse 14, the Lord had determined to defeat the council of Ahithophel, which really was the better plan. Interesting statement, so that he could bring disaster on Absalom. And so Ahithophel uh, unknowingly was fighting against God. Now, that's a good lesson for us. It's a lesson that we talked about last week. When God has chosen and he has made his choice, it's really a good idea for us to concede to God's choice and not beat our head against the wall. Because what God has chosen, it's going to happen. But, but Ahithophel, uh, he had switched sides early on when Absalom began to build his, his army and his force and uh, Ahithophel found himself on the wrong side of God's plan. And that was his problem. He was on the wrong side of God's plan. All right, so pick it up in verse 15. Hushai told Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, what Ahithophel had said to Absalom and the elders of Israel and what he himself had advised instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go across at once into the wilderness beyond, otherwise he will die and his entire army with him. Jonathan and Adamaz had been staying at Enrogel as so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. 
Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message they were to take to King David. But a boy spotted them at Edrogel, and he told Absalom about it, so they quickly escaped to Barum, where a man hid them down inside a well in his courtyard. The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well and scattered grain on it to dry in the sun, so no one suspected that they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen Adamaz and Jonathan? The woman replied, They were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, Cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Athaphel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other bank before dawn. When Athaphel realized that his advice had not been followed, he saddled his donkey, went to his hometown, set his affairs in order, and hanged himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. David soon arrived at Manim, but by now, Absalom had mobilized the entire army of Israel and was leading his troops across the Jordan River. Absalom had appointed Amasa as commander of his army, replacing Joab, who had been commander under David. Amasa was Joab's cousin. His father was Jether, an Ishmaelite, his mother Abigail, daughter of Nahash, and the sister of Joab's mother, Zariah. Absalom and the Israelite army set up camp in the land of Gilead. When David arrived at Menem, he was warmly greeted by Shobi, son of Nahash, who came from Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Mamakur, son of Emil from Lodibar, and by Barzilla of Gilead from Roglum. They brought sleeping mats, cooking pots, serving bowls, wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, beans, lentils, honey, butter, sheep, goats, and cheese for David and those who were with him, for they said, you must all be very hungry and tired and thirsty after your long march through the wilderness. Now, let me tell you, sheep that's cooked right is delicious. And goat that is cooked right is delicious. Sheep cheese, I've never had it to my knowledge, but I understand by the guy that fed me some of the best meat I've ever had, which was sheep meat, is better than a cow's cheese. So what you have here is in the midst of this great crisis, this great chaotic thing of David out there in the wilderness being scattered, not knowing exactly what Absalom's next turn will be, and, and, in, and getting ready for a big fight, they had them one big barbecue. I mean, now, Absalom, he's 
he's in a bad spot. Absalom is not quite sure what's next. Absalom is not quite sure if he's following the right advice. Absalom is, is the victim of his own doings, and, and he's not at rest. But, but David, out there across the Jordan, is surrounded by his army. He is in a relative peaceful place, and he's got good meat, good cheese, and a party taking place. And it's all been done for him, and he fell into that rather easily. He didn't expect it. He didn't know it was going to be there. The provisions were just provided for him, and he was set up. One of the lessons that we learned from last week towards the very end, and, and I talked about that, if, if you're in God's will, if you're on his side, you may, be, you may experience some real bad consequences, some problems, some troubles. It may be a difficult life. However, when God calls you to do something and, and you follow through and do what God's called you to do, the results, the, the, the activities are easy. They're very easy. I think that's been the lesson of our mission work. The, the times that God has invited us and we have been invited by God's people and we sense his spirit's direction, it's very easy on our side. We just follow through and do what God has asked us to do. That is true of our football ministry. That is true of our mission ministry in Peru. That is true of our ministry we've got going on in Cambodia. Now, it costs money. It costs time. It costs effort. In many places, it costs, it costs a lot of hardship to go and experience it and to share and to help and, and be a part of what God wants to do. But my, my, how those doors open. And, and, and I have learned that lesson from our mission work. If, if you're hitting your head against a brick wall and it doesn't seem like it's working out, if it's too complicated, back on up. It's like in Corton, in Dayton. If you're having to make that relationship work, you need to back on up. Something's not right. If, if you're having to make her love you or if, you, if, if she's having to make that guy always see her and be, want to be around her and things like that, walk on down the road. That's way too complicated. That, that most likely is not where the Lord wants you to be. But if, if it just seems to be natural, sure, there's some things to overcome. There's some headaches. There's some problems. There's some always conflicts in two people learning each other, but there's a flow. There's an ease about it. There's the opening of the door that God provides. And, and that's what I see here with David on the other side of the Jordan. He's on the right side. He's been chosen. Now, is David a perfect man? Absolutely not. 
David is an imperfect man. David makes lots of mistakes. We're going to see more mistakes down the road. He's already made mistake after mistake, but David was the chosen. And if Absalom would have understood that, if Absalom would have understood that his father was the chosen, and if Absalom could have gotten over some of the horrible things that took place in his family, and if he could have gotten over the fact that he was the son of an imperfect leader, an imperfect dad, an imperfect king, and if he would just realize that there are certain things that are going to be the way they are, and if he would have just rested in his life, and, and, and just let God do the choosing about who's going to take David's spot one day and not wrestle with that, the life he could have lived. He could have had him a nice place. He could have had him a nice rooftop. He could be up there in the evenings. He could be eating dates and bananas and pluots and all those wonderful vegetables and fruits that come from that part of the world and have sheep. He could have the best sheep Barbecuer in the country, making him good barbecue every single day. He could have enjoyed his family. He could have enjoyed his life. He could have had a good time in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a wonderful place. The climate most days is, is a beautiful place. Nice, cool breeze in the morning, nice, cool breeze in the afternoon, even in the middle of summer. Now, in the heat of the day, it gets pretty hot, but he's the king's son. He doesn't have to be out there working the fields. He can have other people work in the fields. He can be under the olive trees. He could have gone to the Garden of Gethsemane every day and sit under those trees and just had a good time. He could have found him a domino game. Man, wouldn't that be a great, great deal to every single day get together with a bunch of your boys and you play dominoes every day at 2 o'clock and then you got sheep to look forward to? Yeah, it'd been a great life. He could have had that, but he just could not stand it. He could not stand it, and, and he set himself up in a fight against God, and he experienced the difficulties of that. It's a valuable lesson for us. Just accept God's positioning of you. Accept where God has placed you. Accept what God wants from you and enjoy what God wants for you. The same with Athaphel. The same with Athaphel. Now, in verse 23, it says, When Athaphel realized that his advice had not been followed, You see, he hadn't had a whole lot of that in his life. He was a very, very gifted, smart man. He was an advisor. People listened to him. Kings listened to him. David had listened to Athaphel. He, Athaphel, had had the experiences of having people bring him a note that says, David wants to see you. And he would walk in before the throne of King David, and King David would would seek his advice. Now, you know how puffed up people get who who are sought after like that from time to time. We want to know what you want. We want to know how you would do it. Athaphel, a smart man, placed in the palace because he was a man of wisdom. But he just 
couldn't deal with the fact that his advice had not been followed. He saddled his donkey, he went to his hometown, he set his affairs in order. He arranged things. He took care of his money. He took care of his resources. He took care of his home. He probably had, had barn and he had animals and he had other things. And I'm sure that he put people in the right places to care for all his things. He set his affairs in order and he hung himself. He died there and was buried in the family tomb. Now, suicide. I want to talk about some of the important things, I think, for us to talk about today. There are some complicated matters going on here, and when suicide happens, there's some complicated matters that have taken place. First of all, regardless of what is taught out there in the world, regardless of what people believe, suicide is not the unpardonable sin. Unpardonable meaning that it can't be forgiven. Now, the Catholic Church teaches that that is one of the unpardonable sins, but the Bible does not say that. The Bible doesn't teach that suicide is the unpardonable sin. So, in other words, if someone commits suicide, then they, they've lost their eternal life in heaven, that they're damned, they're condemned. The Bible doesn't say that. What Jesus taught was the unpardonable sin is unbelief. And when you read the, the story of Jesus talking about when you, when you lie to the Holy Spirit, when you denounce the Holy Spirit, what you are doing is you are lying to or denying the work of the Holy Spirit, the value of the Holy Spirit, which primarily is to bring us to a place of belief. And so suicide is not the unpardonable sin. The second thing that I think is really important, especially in our day and time, our lives are not ours to take. Our life is never ours to take. And not only is our own life not ours to take, but other people's lives are not ours to take. I think God has already chosen about that matter. Now, I know today with the abortion issue, um, what is used more than once it, over and over and over, and it's the very foundation of the argument for abortion is, it's the, it's the uh, choice of the mother, right? You hear people talking about that, saying that. You'll, you'll hear that over and over and over. It's the right of the parent. It's the right of the woman to choose whether or not she has that child or not. It is not her choice. It is not hers to make. God has already decided that. Now, uh, you know, um, adoption is a good choice that she has to make. Uh, you know, letting someone else raise the child, making other means. Perhaps she's in a situation in her life that, that she's not the best suited person to raise that child. She has every right 
to make those provision, but she does not have the right to abort that child. The same is true on the other end of life. When people get older, and now there's, there was some talk a lot when uh, politics was dealing with uh, 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 health care, and there was a lot of probably rumors going around that there were going to be committees that would choose uh, that these real sick people do not deserve treatment or care. And if you get old to the certain place where you're no longer... Um, uh, beneficial for society and life for you because of your age, your sickness, your illnesses. You're not of value to the world anymore, and you have pain and you have hurt and all these things. Then we'll have ways to to you know humanely distinguish that life. That's not for us to decide either. That's not for us to decide. Now, that's not the DNR thing. That's not the choice of making that, you know, I'm so sick, I'm ill. I choose not to be resuscitated. That's a different story because obviously God is at work there in that situation, and that's a rightful choice. They're not choosing to die. They're choosing not to be resuscitated. But our lives are not ours to take. And other people's lives are not ours to take. God has already chosen that. And I think that's really an important thing. And, and I believe that people need to understand that when they're considering suicide. Perhaps in some cases, it would be helpful to be reminded that your life is not yours to take. It's just not yours to take. Now... One of the reasons why Athafel got to this place was for Athafel, this problem with David and, and, and this problem with Absalom in this situation, it was personal. It wasn't business. If it would have been anyone else but David and, and probably anyone else but Absalom, if it had been another group of leaders that he was a counsel for and they didn't follow his advice, it would have just been business. And most likely, he could have been able to walk away from that. But it was a personal thing. You see, we know in the Scripture from 2 Samuel 23, 34, that Eliam was a son of Athethel. And we also know that from the scripture, Eliam was the father of Bathsheba. So Athaphel is the grandfather of Bathsheba. Now, that changes things, doesn't it? When that deal happened with David and Bathsheba and Uriah, Athaphel was impacted. He was hurt. He, he, it became personal to him. It was his granddaughter. He watched his granddaughter be taken advantage of. He watched his granddaughter go through and endure lots of criticism. 
you know they talked about her in Jerusalem while, you know, she was obviously delightful to look at, beautiful girl. And she probably had the rumor spread through Jerusalem over and over and over that she seduced David. She probably paraded herself around at rooftop. She made herself available. She placed David in a compromising position. I'm sure she was called a gold digger. I'm sure she was called that she mistreated Uriah and, and, and she turned her back on Uriah and went after David because Uriah being a, a, just a soldier wasn't good enough for her. She wanted to be in the king's palace. And so you know that Athaphel heard all those rumors, all those little tidbits of gossip, and he saw what was probably the hurt and pain that Bathsheba went through when all that went down with uh, David and Bathsheba. And so in this situation... When time came and he saw an opportunity to stand against David, he took it. Now, it's, it's really interesting here to me about this because he takes a stand against his granddaughter's husband. And so Athaphel had to be going through some very difficult times with his decision and the process that he had placed himself in. It couldn't, it couldn't have been easy. It had to have been difficult. And, and when he saw that Absalom had rejected his advice and took Hushai's advice, who was David's man, you know, that it had to have been obviously difficult on him because when he discovers that his advice had not been followed, he gets on his donkey, he goes home, he gets his stuff in order, and he hangs himself. Look, we could normally handle business hurt and business pain, but personal, it goes deeper, doesn't it? It's okay at work when someone disagrees with what we think we ought to do. It's okay when we're criticized at work. It's okay when, when uh, you know, things don't go our way at the workplace. But man, when there is hurt and there is conflict and, and there is problem at home, it goes deep. And, and this was not business for Athaphel. It was personal. And he took it personally. This story also teaches us, I believe, we've got to be real careful with bitterness because Athaphel is a prime example of what happens to us when bitterness is not put in the right place, when it's not nipped in the bud, when we, do, when we choose bitterness over, over what God wants when we allow bitterness to turn into resentment, to turn into hatred, and then turn into revenge, we've gone down the wrong road. You and I, we are not built to be judges. 
We are not built to judge other people for their actions. We are not made to determine what other people should be like and not be like. We're not determined to, do, to make those choices. We're not cut out for it. We are not cut out for bitterness. We do not handle bitterness well. No one does. And if we're not careful, bitterness can take over our life and can control us. And it is clear in God's word, in Romans chapter 12, it clearly says, vengeance is not ours. It's the Lord's. And Athafel, he took it into his own hands. He allowed bitterness to grow. And it began to turn into hatred. And that hatred controlled his life. Be careful about bitterness. Now, suicide is never the right choice. Suicide is never the right choice. There were options for, for Athafel. Well, you say, well, what options did he have? He's, a, he's now a hunted man. No question about it, Athafel is in the crosshairs of David. Athafel knows that after the war is over, David is going to find all those people that stood against him and he's going to have them eliminated. At least that's what he thinks. At least that's what is reasonable to him at this time. That's when the objectivity began to erode in his life. Now, it probably began to erode a long time before this, and he began to look at life in a subjective lens. And he lost his objectivity. And everyone that commits suicide... At some time along the way, that's what happens. Now, there's mental illness that's got to be dealt with. And I'm not particularly dealing with mental illness, but if there's mental illness, there's, there's possibilities of being a physical problem. There may be an injury. There may be something. There, there may be a physical malady that's causing that, these uh, loss of objective reasoning to be taking place. And, and they need to be seen by a counselor, by a therapist, perhaps even medicated to get where they can reason well. Now, there's also re suicide happens. They, people lose their objectivity because they allow the hurt to turn into hatred. And it controls. It has a strong hold on them. Now, if it's mental illness that you're dealing with, in your family, with loved ones, with friends. And, and, and when you have tried to encourage them, it doesn't work. Perhaps they've sought counseling and it hasn't worked. Per perhaps there has been uh, just all kinds of effort of prayer and there doesn't seem to be movement. Then perhaps uh, you've got two things going on, the physical or spiritual taking place. Now, there's no question in John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus tells us that, that this, the thief, the evil one, has come to kill, steal, and destroy. We saw that in Odessa, in Midland, wherever that was yesterday. 
when I saw the headline come up, a shooting in West Texas, my first thoughts were, Satan is at work again. Whenever you see people trying to destroy life, trying to harm life, no question, Satan is at work. And so when people are what we would call mentally ill, unable to be reasonable, unable to, to look at hope, unable to see that life is worth living, it could be a demonic thing. And it's going to require faith, prayer, and it's going to require the work of Jesus in their life. But it also could be a physical thing that re- might require some medication to, to alter the way the brain works, we're learning these days, to get people where they can be reasonable and they can begin to, to work out these things. Now, I don't believe that, that Athafel had any kind of physical problem with him. I don't reckon a counselor is what he needed. I don't reckon that medication is what he's needed. I don't think that he needed anything but to readjust his thinking. He had allowed that pride and that hatred and that anger and that bitterness and resentment to take over. He wasn't objective about things. When you find yourself spiraling down, you lose your objectivity. You hear things like, it's never going to work out. It's never going to get better. There's not a solution for this. We can't work out our family troubles. When you begin to spiral down, you says, I'm giving up. I've had enough. None of that is true. That's a loss of objectivity. We begin to believe lies. We begin to believe that all is lost. We begin to believe that there's no answers. There's no options. There's no hope. And Athafel, most likely, when he's riding that donkey down to his hometown, I'm sure that he's spiraling out of control. There's no way I can, I can live now. There's no way I can survive. David is after me, and he's going to get me. He lost his objectivity. He believes there's no hope for him. He believes that, that there's, no, there's no rescuing him because of the choices he's made. Now, I thought this week about Athafel, and, and I'd like to have been along the road. I'd like to be eating some of that good sheep barbecue when he comes walking by and say, Athafel, what's going on? I know you. You're an important man. You're, you're, the one that, you're an advisor for the king. Why don't you sit a while? Let's talk. And I'd say, Phil, where are you going? He'd say, I'm going home. Why are you going home? He says, well, I've made a horrible mistake. I chose to side with Absalom, and he rejected my advice. And I believe Absalom is going to lose the battle, and I believe that my time is limited. I'm not going to let David get me. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end my life. I'm going to go home. I'm going to get things sorted out. I'm going to get set my things in order. And then I'm going to hang myself. And I thought, what would I tell Athafel? I would say, it can't be the end. It's not as bad as you think it is. There's got to be an answer somewhere. Do you believe in God? 
Well, most likely he would say, of course I do. You've made a poor choice. You sided wrongly. And you've allowed your hatred to turn into this uh, uh, where there's no light at the end of the tunnel mindset. You know, life's worth living. Tell me about your family. Can you, do you know how difficult it's going to be on your family if you kill yourself? You got grandkids? Who are they? Oh, I've heard about Solomon. I've heard he's quite a fella. His, this, is, this is Solomon's great-grandfather. You, you got kids, grandkids in your life. Well, don't you want to see them grow up? Yeah, you, but you don't understand how vicious David is, and David is going to come after you. Okay, well, all right. Well, let's, let's just say that you're not going to be able to stay here. I hear Cyprus is really nice this time of year. It'd be a lot better on your family if you just go somewhere else and they know that you're okay. Now, you may have to make a hard choice here because David's a ruthless man and David may be coming after you, but how about Cyprus? Why don't you just go get what you need and pack up a couple of donkeys and, and why don't you just go as far away from the Jordan as you can go and, and find you a port city and, and, and sell some stuff along the way and, and, and work a little bit and get on a ship and go to Cyprus. Live on the beach. Living on the beach is better than suicide. You see where I'm going with this? Anything is better than suicide. He might be in a situation where he can't escape David. Anything's better than suicide. I mean, it would have been better if, if Hathafel would have just stayed in his hometown and let David come get him and kill him. That would have been easier on his family. At least then his family would know that he didn't take matters in his own hands and take his own life. Man, Athel, you ever had any dreams? Well, you know, I'd be around that palace and I'd think about, man, I've heard Egypt's really nice. I've heard about Ethiopia. I've heard about this country. Go see it. Wouldn't it be nice to be kind of carefree and just ride that donkey around? I mean, personally, it would be nice just to go, just to go to a town, look around, and sleep in the city park for a while. And t I mean, you're not going to pay taxes anymore, right? I mean, anything is better than suicide. That's what I would have tried to reason with him about. I'd say, why don't we meet every day for a while, and let's talk about this. Let's pray about this. Let's, let's try to find something worth living for with you. Would you make that commitment? Can you give me 30 days? For 30 days, we'll just meet, and we'll talk, and, and we'll just talk about some options for you. Now, that's the point that Athafel missed out on. He believed that there were just no options. And that's never, ever true.
That's never, ever true for you. And when you believe there are just no reasonable options for you, you're believing a lie. You're believing the lie of Satan who come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, but I come to give life and give it abundantly. And so when you're choosing, there's no life options for you. You are choosing the way of Satan and not the way of Jesus every single time. Now, you may be in a bad spot. You may be like Athaphel, having King David after you and wanting you eliminated. That's not a good place to be. It may be a difficult life, but you don't need... Why don't you try to do this, Athaphel? How, how well does Bathsheba know David? It seems like Bathsheba's got David's ear. Now, there's no way I believe that Bathsheba would, would want to see her grandpa killed. Why don't you send word to her, explain your situation to her, and see what she can do for you? Maybe David would just have... from. Find some kindness, some grace in his heart, and maybe he'll just leave you here so you can grow your crops and take care of yourself here in your hometown. And you can live out the rest of your life here. There are always, always options. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't allow anyone around you to give up and quit. Hang on. Hang in there. Keep on working out. Your life may seem like there's no, there's no options, but there are options. God can work wonders and miracles. Your life can be put back together. Your life can be rescued. There's hope. I hear Cyprus is nice this time of year. Athafel, go live on the beach. Go live on the beach. When it comes time for supper, go catch you a fish. Get your little fire going. Enjoy your last days. It's, it's, it's a mindset change that we need to make from there's no hope to faith. And faith always says there is hope. I pray God will speak to you through that today. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for your word. Help us to learn from Athafel, Lord, and help us to each be a voice of reason for some who believe there's no hope, there's no options. And if if, Father, if there's anyone here that has found themselves today in a place of no hope, no options, I pray your spirit will speak to their heart today. In Jesus' name, amen.